Welcome to Revitalize and Restart, a podcast dedicated to the discussion of church revitalization, restart, and renewal. We invite you to listen as a host and some of the best practitioners in the field of church revitalization and restart discuss issues facing the church in America. And now, here is your host, Dr. Steve Sells, author, conference speaker, and president of Operation Transformation. Well, welcome to another installment of Revitalize and Restart, a podcast that's brought to you by Operation Transformation, the church revitalization group based in Salisbury, North Carolina. I'm Dr. Steve Sales, your host, and it is a pleasure to have with us today Dr. Robert Arnold. Uh, Dr. Arnold is the senior pastor of Lockhart Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida. He's adjunct professor at New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, the Orlando campus, and uh, the Level College in Brandon, Florida, and uh, the uh, Baptist College in, in Florida in, in Orlando. Uh, he's a writer, a speaker, and a leader in church revitalization. Uh, welcome, Dr. Arnold. It is an honor to have you with us today. Thank you, Steve. It's always a joy to have other revitalizers with me on this, on this. uh, And I know your story and I know how you took a church and, and really brought it out. And we thank God for uh, that kind of church revitalization. Today, we're going to be discussing that very process. Uh, What is a church revitalization process? How do you go about it? Because you've been there, you do it and you know how to do it. So we're going to really jump right into this thing. Let me ask you, first of all, Dr. Arnold, what, what took you, what caused you to go to Orlando, Florida, uh, to this church that you went to? Well, originally, Steve, I was a church planter in the Tampa Bay area. And my wife and I, the Lord used the, my wife and I to plant a church. It was Cornerstone Baptist Church. We were there for 12 and a half years, and I had just finished my doctorate of ministry. And I looked at my wife and I said, I I feel like the Lord's calling me to go back to seminary and get my PhD and go into the PhD program. And, uh, and I'm all but dissertation. I haven't finished that yet, but I'm all but dissertation. And so it was crazy. You know, I left a church that we had planted and gone through three building programs and, and just left everything and went back to Louisville to go back to school. And, but one of the things my wife asked me is if possible, she says, I'll go anywhere, but if we could go back to central Florida and at my heart and her heart has always been for the central Florida area. And so this church, uh, Lockhart Baptist church was in need of a pastor and through the Lord's hand, we ended up being connected together And so we just felt called. And to be honest, it was an older church. It's over 100 years old. Um, You know, its best days conceivably were behind them. Um, You know, whenever I got here, it was, you know, the average age was much, much older. And so I knew it was a challenge after I took the position. In fact, before I came, two of the staff members resigned and went elsewhere. So, oh so yeah, yeah. It was one of those things where the search committee kept calling me up saying, well, 
the uh, worship leader stepped down. Are you still willing to come? And then, you know, the uh, youth <laughs> minister stepped down. We, are you, but I, we just really felt like God was calling us to this church. And we knew that the challenges were great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you knew going into this thing that there was going to be a task of, of revitalizing that church. Absolutely. Now, they they wanted to build a new sanctuary. When I got here, they had a very a, a much older building. Mm-hmm. And I had been through some other building programs at other churches and, you know, planting a church. And so one of the conditions was that I would help them go through the building program. So the first two, two and a half years, it was basically just getting us through building a brand new 500 seat auditorium. Oh, wow. And and so I went in realizing, you know, many revitalizers have to strike while the iron's hot. Uh, On the other hand, with me, I basically came in wanting to build the trust of the people that were here. And, and, but I realized it was a challenge because this part of Orlando is changing ethnically, you know, diversity, um, what used to be an all white community right now, 14 years later, you know, 13 and a half years later is now, whites are a minority in this community. And that's the major challenge. And I'm not sure whenever I came, I knew that there were challenges. I did not realize that would be the dominant challenge that we faced. Wow. That, that's, that's kind of scary going in and building a new 500-seat auditorium when uh, the community is changing in such a way like that. And, and uh, probably along with that, and I don't know, but you can, you can enlighten us on that, but probably along with that, <laughs> it was a difficult thing to get that congregation moving toward being multi-ethnic and multicultural. That was the, we had many people leave, you know, um, when we started moving in that direction and um so that was probably the largest challenge we had. And and the since this was a 100-year-old church, they were basically functioning under an older paradigm that used, you know, that used to work, uh, build it and they will come. Yeah. And we we did have some growth, you know, we were able to grow from about 125 to 200 at the finish of the building, but at the same time there was white flight. And most of my church members were moving out of this area and they were having to travel further and further to come back to church. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, um, in the 13 and a half years that I've been here, we've had 96 funerals. And wow. so, yeah, yeah. And so the attrition rate has been something that we've just really had to try to stay ahead of. 96 funerals. Yeah. yeah. Now, not all of them were, you know, devoted members of our church, yeah. but many of our largest givers and supporters oh, are no gosh. longer, you know, they're oh, in heaven with Jesus. They're not here anymore. And my so, goodness, yeah. my goodness, that's well, talk to us a little bit. Now, you've already touched on the, the, the multi-ethnic, multicultural situation in the transitional community. Uh, what were some of the uh, other prominent areas uh, uh, in the church that needed revitalization. I know attitudes and that kind of thing, but uh, enlighten us a little bit on that. Well, when, when I first came, 
they just sang hymns. Basically, we've changed just about every area of the church. If if people 14 years ago were to walk into the church today, you know, we've got a different auditorium. We've got a different style, a blended style of worship. Um, it's focused a lot more on the young. We've got uh, family life groups and neighborhood Bible studies mm-hmm. during the week instead of just Sunday morning. You know, and, and when we first came, it was just a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, and, traditional. And it, it, very, very, very traditional. And even though I'm very conservative theologically, I did realize that if we were going to, I warned them, I said, in 10 years, if we don't make changes, this church won't be here anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, because you just look around and realize we're all going to be gone. Yeah, and you and, just built a building. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and it's funny, I told them, I said, please don't call me to come unless you're open to change. And one of the men on the pastor search committee, he's passed on to be with the Lord now, but he said, well, we want to change. Just remind us in six months or a year that we told you that we wanted to change. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, basically we we brought in the whole stage is different now. You know, yeah. we removed the, this big old podium with two wings on the side and we've got a little transfer, you know, and to be honest, there were there were people in the church, senior adults that could not handle the changes that we made. And and I tried to move slow. It's like a turnip truck without sides. You turn as slowly as possible to to keep as many people on and no one falling off. Yeah. But in the process, and um, it so the music's different now. Uh, we do videos during the worship service. You know we. We sing songs, we clap, we get excited. Mm-hmm. We still do hymns. We still do hymns because I love the old hymns. Mm-hmm. And so, for example, we did Softly and Tenderly, Jesus is Calling mm-hmm. this past mm-hmm. Sunday. But we've also introduced a lot of new songs that, um, you know, Tomlin, um, Wickham, pe- people like that, the, the newer stuff that you, in fact, the, our contemporary Christian station is 88.3. And basically, the the senior adults recognize the music we sing because they listen to the Christian station during the week. Oh yeah, yeah. You you touched on something just a minute ago that's really been an interest interesting thing to me, and I know it is to other church revitalizers and any pastor who goes in and makes changes. That is this thing of the the many of the older the senior adults in the congregation can't handle that change. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that, because I, th- I think that is one of the key areas. Um, y- there is going to be fallout if you mm-hmm. bring there revitalization is. to a church. So talk to us a little bit about how you handle <clears throat> that yeah. and, and how your church came through that. Well, um, and, and like I said, one of the things I tried to do is, for example, I I'm very comfortable with the congregational type leadership and, and rule. I'm my personality is influencer. I I'm not authoritarian at all. Mm-hmm. And so we never brought uh, anything before the church. We I've always involved committees and everything like that. And we also moved slow. We, we ate the elephant one little bite at a time. And so 
you know, we just add one little praise song, then another praise song. We move very slowly. Um, and and it, it's funny, a simple thing like the podium, you know, I mentioned it earlier. <laughs> yeah. The podium was built by men in the church. Oh, so, oh yes, yes. Oh, so, that's bad. But, but at the same time, you know, I wanted to send a message to the new people that the church is transparent, that there's not a barrier between pastor and people. And so what I did was, is we had a big emphasis on the history of the church and the wonderful history of the church. And so we put the 1911 pulpit on one side, we, we put the one that was built in the seventies, and then we put the new glass one in the center and those podiums stayed there for, you know, six months before they just sort of all of a sudden one day disappeared, <laughs> you know, but, but uh, one of the things we tried to do is move slow. I, I would sit down with people. Uh, sometimes people just, want to be able to express their feelings Mm -hmm. and I'm turning 60 this year. And so I can understand how, as you get older, change becomes more and more difficult. It really does. And I I don't think we need to be too hard on those that are older that are mature Christians, but I really try to emphasize that we've got to reach the next generation. If this church is going to survive. Yeah. And, and the other thing is, uh, I, I told them that the inside of our church needs to be a representation of the community around us. And I think that was the biggest struggle they faced is um, we had a number of people leave when we hired our first black youth minister, mm-hmm. you know, they just, and they would even say, I know this is probably wrong, but I'm worried that, you know, my daughter is going to want to, to date somebody that's of a, oh, a different color, you know, and we, we just we just aren't ready to deal with that. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a real challenge. And, and the thing is, I've grown up in the South. You know, I've yeah. I've had to deal and look at my own heart and make sure mm-hmm. the, the, the prejudices that we sometimes have in our heart that we don't even realize we're there until we're faced with it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I've always tried to err on the side of grace, you know, and not be too hard on people. And sometimes people have come to me and said, we just, the church is changing and this isn't our church anymore. We're going to go someplace else. Yeah. And I loved them. And I still called them even after they were gone to check on them. Yeah. So, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Uh, it doesn't turn, doesn't turn out that way. Always, you know, a lot of people leave with anger in their heart and, and oh, yep. mm-hmm. but when you can build off of, we just don't fit here anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. a good thing uh, yeah. because really one size doesn't fit all. And, no. and, and, uh, and, and, and a lot of times when churches change, it is so important for people to face reality that mm-hmm. this is not exactly what I want in worship. And that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's right. And I've learned that if I try to talk them into staying it usually creates more problems, mm-hmm. you know, um, someone convinced against their will is of the same persuasion still, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you don't want somebody sitting in church, you know, angry and upset and, and feeling like they're not being ministered to Sunday after Sunday. But at the same time, we had to do things to reach out to the younger generation yes. and a different, di- more diverse population. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, when you when you think about a person sitting in your congregation and they've already expressed to you, this is not the church that I have been in. You wouldn't want to persuade them, I wouldn't think, because because they're not going to be comfortable. And if they're not comfortable, the church is not going to be comfortable. And and the sad part is that's where a lot of these splits and divisions, controversy comes in. I'm, I, I agree with you 100%. When someone says to me, I need to, I need to move on, mm-hmm. I don't argue with them. Mm-hmm. When I pastored, I didn't argue with them. Now, I got flack from some church leaders because of that. Yeah. Why yeah. did you let them leave? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so anyway. Well, and I, I, I told my church leaders, I don't chase. Yeah. You know, some of, these, some of these people have been Christians 30, 40, 50 years. And if they look at me and say, the Lord's leading me someplace else, I'm, I'm not going to argue with the Lord. And, and this is something I've learned, too. And, you know, I'm still learning. But the Lord sees things that I don't see. The Lord hears conversations that I don't hear. Mm-hmm. The Lord looks in people's hearts and knows people's feelings that I don't know. Amen. That's right. So sometimes if the Lord removes somebody from a church and it, and it hurts because, you know, you, you want to take it personally. Um, you know, you think, what could I have done different? Or what do I need to do? But at the same time, if the Lord's removing somebody, it, it may be his will and his way of preserving the harmony and unity in the church as is difficult of a pill that is to swallow. Because, um, you know, we've got a totally different set of leadership here now at our church than we did before. And that was one of the biggest things is people having to give up power, accept new people, people that have different views, different backgrounds. You know, they weren't they didn't drive four wheel drive pickup trucks or own their own business. And and I think that's one of the biggest things is, you know, I had people saying, well, we're attracting people that aren't good tithers and they're never going to be good tithers, you know? Uh, um, so it was just a real challenge. Oh, People wow. have a million reasons why, you know, we, we need to stay the way we are. But yeah. uh, if, if we had stayed the same after 96 funerals, there would be just 10 or 12 of us left. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have a church today. No, we wouldn't. No. But I, 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 I like your approach to this thing of revitalizing a lot of guys, and you know this as well as I do. A lot of church revitalizers go in kind of like a bull in a china closet, and uh, they cause more trouble than than they fix. And yes. uh, I, I mean, I know guys that call themselves church revitalizers, and and when they leave the church, it's in worse condition than it was when they went there, and yeah. that's a sad thing. Well, let me. <clears throat> I, I, you've touched on some of this a little bit, but let's uh, uh, let's talk a little bit more in our last minutes uh, about this. Um, what problems, as you started this process, <clears throat> what problems arose with the process that were totally unexpected to you? Mm. <laughs> There were a lot. It's funny when you go into a church, you can even go in with your eyes open, knowing, for example, uh, the, the DOM uh, prior to our current DOM, Tom Cheney, 
he sat down with me and said, now, do you realize what what you're walking into? I mean, this is the D.O.M. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. But but um, you know, <laughs> real before, encouraging, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I said, I feel like God's calling. And he says, OK, he says, I'm just checking with you, you know, and uh, he says it's a good church. They've got good people, but there's some real things you're going to have to deal with. And, um, hmm. and and one of the things that I've realized and, and you hit on it, revitalization is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yeah. And so many pastors want to go in, make a million changes. You see the church turn around, explode, and then they're going to want to go someplace else in three to five years. Oh, yeah. And, and, um, one of the things that was hardest for me to realize is, and I'm, I'm now in my 14th year, I've been here 13 years, is that I had to come in here thinking that I may have to stay the rest of my life. Yeah, I mean. And, and that problems were going to come, and the answer to those problems was not me turning around and running or leaving. Sometimes I just had to put on the crash helmet and, you know, Say, okay, God, you're in control. You got to get me through this. Because there was a group about uh, 2016 that started meeting, talking about, you know, what can we do to to get this pastor out and a new pastor in? And it was a small group, but you know, and and you're thinking and you hear about this, and (laughs) there's always pastor parent, I call it pastor paranoia, where all of a sudden you start thinking everybody's talking that way. You know, it's really only two frogs in the pond, but you think that it's a million. They sound yeah. like a million, yeah. you know? And so, but um, you got to just be on your knees. And I guess the biggest thing is I thought that if I preach the Bible and just explain <laughs> myself, you know, and said, we've got to do the great commission and reach the people around us. And, you know, I really thought that if I just really explained myself, well, people would go, okay, we're, we're on board. And there were people that were that way. I've seen people that at one time had real problems with prejudice or racism and they are transformed. You know, Amen. they are. Yeah. But there are some people that just say, I can't make that change. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that's the biggest thing is you, you always hear that revitalization, you're going to make some enemies. There are going to be some people that aren't going to want to give up the authority or power or the decision-making and um, <laughs> not, not all Christians are going to be nice. Yeah, you know, that's true. And, yeah. And, and so you just sort of have to love them. And, and I guess that's the biggest challenge, loving people when they don't love you very much. Yeah. You know, every preacher's been there, haven't they? Yes. Yes. Well, we, you know, you look out there and there's a lot of people clapping and singing, but there's also the, the, the older <laughs> man comes crossed and he's he's, he's folded arms. Yeah, and, and he's and he's not singing along. Uh, and, Blares. And get, yeah, and you get the notes in the in the, the offering plate being when it's being passed. And I had a guy that every Sunday would uh the bulletin, and it's before we did away with the bulletin, would make corrections and and criticisms every single Sunday until one day when my wife said don't give him another one of those. You know, yeah, yeah. Rob's too nice, but I'm not. 
you know, don't ever give him one of those again. And he stopped. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, if you give them the opportunity, they take it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, well, you know, you touched on something just a second ago about pastors who don't want to stay. And, and as a church revitalizer, I do a lot of consulting with pastors. Mm-hmm. And they'll call me and say, we need, we need some help. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I say to them is this. If you want me to come and, and help you and help your church, you're going to have to make a long-term commitment. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because I'm not going to come there and help you or even consult with you if you're not willing to stay the course. Yeah. yeah. But I'm finding that a lot of guys want a quick fix. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and you know, an outsider can't do that. That's right. All I can do is go in and help facilitate some of it. Uh, but he's got to be the guy that does it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's one thing we've messed up with in this thing of church revitalization. Uh, we've placed too much emphasis, I think, on the outside revitalizer. Yeah. Uh, to, to the point that some pastors think, well, if I get this guy to come, and he'll spend six months off and on with me or a year off and on with me, things are going to be okay. When all the time this guy said, it says in his own heart, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, In fact, I'm getting ready to go to Tennessee and uh, uh, I've been to, I was in another church up there and the guy that I was working with there told me, he said, I don't know whether or not I can stay the course or stay here. Mm. I said, then probably before you do anything, you need to go ahead and get out of there and let some guy come in. It's going to stay. Yeah. yeah. And I know that's hard for pastors to hear. It is. is. You know, I think, I think that's where we are with a lot of I, I call it the microwave mentality. We stand, we, you know, we put in the uh, bag of popcorn and we put in two minutes and then we, we wish that it would hurry up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and we sort of have the same idea about church. We just want to slap some stuff in and, and watch everything explode. And, and it doesn't happen that way. And what happens is, and, and it happened in our church a man comes in for a year, year and a half, and then leaves. And then another man comes in for a year, year and a half, and leaves. And so over eight years before I arrived here, they were burning through pastors. Oh, and wow. pastors. And uh, one, one man told me that they actually had eight different men, either as interim or full-time pastor, in, in eight years, from, 20, uh, wow. from 2000 to 2008. And the problem with that is every time a pastor comes and leaves quickly, the pastoral authority shifts to somebody that's more permanent, whether it's the chairman of the deacons or whatever. Yeah. And then it takes longer for that pastoral authority to shift back. Yeah. It probably took me five years to really become the pastor of this church. Yeah. Yeah. They kept expecting me to leave. And, you know, they, I had one woman say, I was here before you were here and I'll probably be here long after you're gone. And um, heard that. Yeah. Well, and and I basically had to have the attitude that I plan to retire here, you know, and um, and finally, people have said, "Okay, Pastor Rob's serious. He loves us. We're his family. He's our leader. We can follow him because he's not going to lead us out somewhere 
and then just abandon us. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and then, see, they were worried that their friends stuck around, but the pastors kept leaving. So who are they going to hang with? Even if their friends are wrong, they're going to hang with the friends because they, they didn't know how long the pastor was going to be there. Wow. So finally, they began to realize Pastor Rob and Michelle love us and they're not going to run the first time there's, there's trouble. That's what it is to be a church revitalizer. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what love them. You got to love them. Got to love them and you got to stick with them. Yeah. The good and the bad and the ugly. You got yeah. to be there. <clears throat> well, Dr. Arnold, our time's almost gone. Can you share with us just a few closing takeaway thoughts that a pastor that is in the situation you were years ago when you came there, share with him a couple of encouraging thoughts, not like your DOM did when he came to yeah. you, but some <laughs> encouraging stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um Find somebody, for example, you know, I mentioned my DOM, current DOM, Tom Cheney. He's a good friend. And I still go and pick his brain. For example, we just went through a month of dedication and renewal at our church. And uh, Tom calls that MODAR, month of dedication and renewal. But <laughs> but I got the idea from him, yeah. you know, and so constantly be talking to other people. Uh, pastors can become even revitalizers can become so isolated and just feel like the whole world's against them. And you've got a job. The other thing is, and I know this might sound trite, but you really, really need to make sure your family comes first and that you're on your knees every day. I mean, there were times, I'll be honest with you. There were times I looked at my wife and I said, I want to leave. And she said, nope, nope. You know, I've got a wonderful wife who said, we're in this for the long haul, you know, and, um, you know, you just, and you just keep loving the people and turn the other cheek. People are going to say mean things to you. And sometimes you just have to bite your tongue. And so, but, but keep your eyes on Jesus and the long-term goal. Um, And, 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 I guess another thing is know your dark side. We've all got weaknesses. We can all get paranoid as a pastor. We can all begin wanting our own way. And sometimes you got to be willing to say, I'm willing to submit to other people, other leaders in the church, find godly men that will help you hold your hands up, you know, like uh, Joshua and Caleb did with, with Moses. You can't do it alone. You can't, it just not going to happen. You gotta, you gotta have your family behind you, your wife behind you. And you have to have some godly men that are willing to rally around you and protect you. Hey. My deacons, my deacons have always been my best friends. And, and that goes for this church as well. And so that's wonderful, man. They, they have run interference for me. And there's been times they pulled me off to the side and said, you know, pastor, just a word of advice. Don't step on that landmine. Not yet anyway. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and a godly pastor <clears throat> will find men that will, Tell them the truth, even when it hurts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. You can't do it yourself all by yourself. And that's what a lot, they, they want to be a one-man Christian SWAT team. Just go in and clean out the riffraff and change the church. And it's a Holy Spirit thing and a, a corporate thing, a group thing. And when they do that, they last a year. Yes, yeah. And and they, they're gone. Yeah. They've burned out or they've been run off. I was going to say, sometimes they even leave the ministry. They get yeah, so discouraged yeah. because... They don't have the support network that they need. Yeah. 
Well, our time is gone now. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Arnold, for sharing with us today. This has been really insightful. Uh, for those that are listening, if you heard something today that'll help you lead in your local church, please let us know and and share this podcast with others. Don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast so that you'll know each time we post a new one. This is Dr. Steve Sales along with uh, Dr. Robert Arnold saying thank you for listening. And our prayer is that what we discussed today might help you help your church. God bless you. Thanks for joining us for Revitalize and Restart. Make sure to visit our website, www.operation-transformation.org, and subscribe to our show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or, if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Don't forget to join us next time, and again, thanks for listening.